Today's reading is taken from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 26, which can be found on page 1066 in the Church Bibles. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised but his disciples. When the Lord heard of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to, come, have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Lord. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you... Am he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. 
I'm not sure if gifts and presents are the same thing. They do have things in common. You don't have to pay for them, and you must receive them. But I suspect there is a subtle difference, an important difference. I give Margaret a present on her birthday. But it's not really a gift. She deserves it. She's my wife, after all. A present may be free to us, but often we deserve it. There is some relationship, there's something we have or a relationship we have with the people and in a sense we deserve it, though perhaps we could not earn it. We might receive a present which is worth far more than we could ever earn, but in a sense we still deserve it. But a gift is different. You see, a gift is a reflection much more on the character and nature of the giver rather than the receiver. And very often, a gift is not deserved at all. A gift is often a reflection of grace, generosity, an act of love by the one who gives. There are a number of things which are unique in the Christian faith, and one of them is summed up in the expression that we have here in John's Gospel, the gift of God. The gift of God. The message that Jesus says to the woman of Samaria. The normal pattern in the history of religion is for us humans to bring gifts to God in order to appease him, to win his favor, to gain his acceptance, to atone for things we've done wrong, our sins. But as John records the life and teaching of Jesus, the one remarkable point that stands out time and again is just this. God is the one who comes to us with a gift. Religions brought gifts to their God. The Christian says God is the one who comes to us with an offer of a gift. Not gifts, plural, in this case, but singular, the gift. The psalmist speaks of, of mercies, of God's mercies, but here, and many gifts to us, but here, singular, gift, something special, something remarkable, something essential. In John chapter 1, verse 12, yet all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Here is a gift, the privilege of becoming the gift of God, the children of God, rather. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, a gift. And here in John chapter 4, if you knew the gift of God, and here is described, the gift is described, a spring of living water. God reaches out to us and the gift is described as a spring of living water, overflowing. And the challenge is this, have we received it? Do we realize it and have we received it? Are we living in the enjoyment of it? Jesus was constantly talking, or rather taking common physical everyday things and using them to convey to people, to us, spiritual truths, eternal truths. Thus, sitting by the well, 
Speaking to somebody who was about to draw water, so vital for living, he talks about living water. A gift of living water. What was he trying to convey? What was the message? For the Jews, in ordinary language, living water was running water. And running water was better. It's like a stream. It was fresh. Against a pool or a well, which was stagnant. And there was water there. It could be used. But actually, it wasn't fresh and as refreshing. And so Jesus used the expression, living water, running water, fresh. In Palestine, of course, wells were very precious. Jacob's well had been there for centuries. And there was water, but very often it wouldn't be very pure. Jesus doesn't talk about water. He talks about living water. God was offering us not just life, but life in abundance. So John, later on in chapter 10, quotes Jesus, the thief come to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life, life in all its fullness. The emphasis again and again is, this is something wonderful, amazing. This is something that we all need. But for the Jews, the phrase living water had an additional meaning. The Jews often spoke about a thirst of the soul for God. They knew that people had this inner desire, a feeling that needs to be satisfied, and they expressed it as the thirst of the soul for God. And they spoke about quenching this thirst with living water. Jesus says, I give you that. There's a fundamental truth recognized by more or less universally, uh, by people universally. There is something within us, something which is hard to understand, to define, something nameless, a longing, a vague discontent, a restlessness, something that needs to be fulfilled. And people use all sorts of ways and means to fulfill this and find that it's lacking. I recall as a youngster, I found that I had a thirst in my soul and I thought if only I had this or that or the other, it would resolve it. But every time I found what I, I, I got, which I thought was the answer, I found it wasn't satisfying, it wasn't fulfilling. Jeremiah says this, my people, well, God speaking to Jeremiah, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And God's complaint is this. I have made you in a way that you need me. And there's a thirst in your soul. Instead of coming to me, you go away and you search for fulfillment in other things which will never satisfy you. People have forsaken God and had tried to fulfill their, meet their innermost needs by things that never would fulfill. God's promise through Isaiah was this, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. In Isaiah Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. A free gift and top quality, endless, free, abundant, endless. 
Jesus is speaking about our need. He highlights the message of the prophets. The gift is living water, true quenching thirst, like a spring. But this illustration is a vital message. The gift of God has got to be received, but not merely enjoyed, but shared. You see, by the very nature, the spring overflows. And just talks about a spring of living water within you. It's a gift. We don't cling to ourselves. It overflows. If it's true in us, it will overflow. I recall when I was had converted at the age of 17, and I had a longer desire. I had to share this wonderful news with other people. I didn't know how to say it or what to say, but I had a desire. I've told you before, I never hesitate in talking about our grandchildren. And when we saw more of them, I would often use illustrations. You know, I've been with them, and some days I boast about them. Sorry about that. It's not right to boast, but I do because they're wonderful. And, you know, when I came to the point where God became real to me, I thought, this is wonderful. I, I, I must tell somebody about it. Now, I know we're different. We're not all salesmen. A seller will sell anything, talk about anything. And yet, in a sense, if it's real within us, it's like a spring. Spontaneous evangelism where we naturally want to share our faith. Not because we are clever. Not because we have answers to every question. But because God is real to us. And the challenge for us this morning. Am I happy to talk about the God who loves me? In the way I'm prepared to talk about the child I love. My son, my daughter. Or even my husband, my wife, I still love them. <laughs> Sorry about that, I'm sure you do. But you know, that can be a, you know, yeah, our, our partner can be a, a, a bit of a nuisance to us. We talk about our children because we love them. We talk about our parents, our husbands too, and our wives. We talk about them. Are we equally eager? We'll be shy, we'll be reserved. There was a young man, and he was quite a reserved young man, not very easy with people. He went to this camp. It was a boys' camp. And on a Sunday afternoon, they all went for a walk, the leaders and the children. And because he was shy, he wasn't up at the front with all the other extrovert leaders and the lads. But there was a lad, a young lad, and he was also very shy. And they were towards the back and they piled up. And he began to talk to this lad because he was a shy lad. God in his mercy brought two together who, because they were both shy, could understand each other. They didn't talk very much, but enough to make this little boy think, oh, there's something interesting about this. Before the end of the week, that lad had come to a real faith in the Lord. Sharing our faith is not being able to be at the, you know, somewhere obvious and shouting about it and telling everybody about it in a quiet way, seizing opportunities. Why? Because it's bubbling within us. We should pray, and I do pray, that Lord bless us in such a way that as we're overwhelmed by your love, we won't be able to keep it in. If you've been somewhere special, you had, a, you, you had this uh, time with Becca. And why do you tell us about it? Because you were so wonderful. Yes, you can't hold back wonderful experiences. I was sorry I wasn't there. But I was glad to hear what you said. I'm looking forward to meeting this lovely lady. And you see, Jesus talked about a well of living. 
sparkles up within us. It overflows. Don't be content with anything less. Say to God, Lord, I want all of your blessings. I want all of your mercy. I want all of your love. I want it all. I'm greedy for you and your love and your grace. Lord, I want you to bless me in a way that will overflow in joy that I can share with others. And you sing aside, you know, the woman didn't understand all that was going on. And sometimes we were accused as Christians that, you know, we've got jargon, Christian jargon. Don't worry about that. The woman didn't understand when Jesus talked about living water. It didn't matter because actually in due course, Jesus began, took the opportunity to begin to explain. He used jargon in a way. It was jargon because living water, yeah, she didn't understand, but eventually she did. Suddenly, the Lord will bring things to mind. Suddenly, the revelation will come. All our job is to somehow be able to share with others what God has done for us. We must be ready to impart the knowledge that God has given to us. Nothing more, nothing less. Somebody said this, Christianity begins with a sense of sin, with the realization that life as we're living it, will not do. We're awake to ourselves and we're awake to our need for God. We're awake to ourselves and our need for God. And Jesus identified this woman and said, I want you to realize, first of all, that actually you're a sinner. And then all of a sudden, he shared with her something that was embarrassing to her, that she was, you know, not married and living with all these men. He didn't say that to embarrass her, but to help her to realize this is where you are. And this is where I want you to be and where you can be. It sounds free. It's true. But actually, it's one proviso. It requires repentance. To Nicodemus, the social pillar of society, to this Samaritan woman, the social outcast, the message was the same. You have a need. Something we imagine is only the poor people, the people who are materially poor who need the gospel and we spend time and effort meeting their needs and it's understand we should but actually everybody needs the gospel the rich the intelligent the poor the illiterate all need the gospel only this living water there's only one way to secure our eternity one way to satisfy our human thirst It's through God's gift. Our part is simple. Repent and receive. The gift of God. At Holy Communion, we celebrate. We come and we kneel. Or stand if you can't kneel. And then we reach out, we say, Lord, thank you. We're not saying, Lord, I want it more. Or for the first time, we're saying, Lord, thank you. And as I receive this bread and this kind, I'm saying thank you. But as you receive the bread and the wine today, say, Lord, I want all of what you're offering to me. I want this well of living water so that whatever my circumstances, whatever my situation, whatever the world around me, I'll be able to have that peace that the world cannot give and that deep joy that only you can give. Let us pray. Father, we thank you.
that in Jesus you give to us all that we need for life and for eternity. Father, we just pray that today and day by day you will fill us with your spirit and so thrill us with this living water that we will want to share it with those around us. We pray and give thanks in our Savior's name.